the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Listen closely, though. Even though all wives and husbands experience this this pull to, to sin against each other by trying to control one another, you don't have to give in to this pull. If you're a Christian, you do not have to give in to this pull. You can have victory over this pull. There is a solution, but only one, only one solution to this battle for control between a wife and a husband. There was a popular TV show back in the 50s that starred Jackie Gleason. Maybe you've seen reruns of The Honeymooners. Ralph and Alice Cramden were constantly bickering in a hilarious exaggeration of the battle of the sexes, but they always made up at the end of the show. One time, they summed up the battle pretty well. Alice said, Boy, you men kill me. You're all alike. You want us women to bow and scrape at your feet. You men just think you own the world. Ralph, in one of his rare verbal victories, replied, Yeah, but you women get revenge. You marry us. (laughs) Ouch. It's not supposed to be like that. But for a lot of us, it kind of is like that, isn't it? Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will show us how we can turn what has become a tug of war for many of us into something that the angels will envy. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're studying the biblical marriage, and today Pastor Steve is wrapping up a three-part message from Genesis chapter 3 about the results of the fall of mankind and the results in our marriages today. One result was that the serpent was humbled and no longer had legs. Another was that Satan's children and Eve's godly children would be enemies. But that curse also included the very first promise of a Messiah. And then God said in the first part of verse 16, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children. Now here's Pastor Steve with our lesson. So bringing forth children in pain is the first aspect of God's curse upon Eve and on all of her female descendants. However, there is a second aspect of God's judgment on Eve that directly relates to marriage and a wife's relationship with her husband, which is that she will now have a new desire towards her husband. She'll have a new desire towards him. So we read verse 16, yet your desire will be for your husband. Now, what does this mean? Well, let me tell you first what it does not mean, and I alluded to this before. God is not telling Eve that as a result of the fall, she's now going to desire Adam sexually. That cannot be what God is saying, because as I said earlier, Eve desired her husband sexually before the fall. And just from a common sense standpoint, everyone knows that in a husband and wife relationship, it is usually the husband who, is, who, who has stronger sexual desires than his wife. So if God's judgment on Eve doesn't have anything to do with sexual desires, then in what sense will her desire now be for her husband? It has to be something that's different than what it was before the fall. Well, I want you to take a look at the last part of verse 16. 
which we'll look at more closely in a few minutes. But for right now, I want you to notice that this curse has to do also with with Adam ruling over Eve. God told Eve, your desire will be for your husband and he, this is connected, and he will rule over you. Now listen closely. The only other time in the Bible where these two Hebrew words are, are used, desire and rule, are found together in the very next chapter in Genesis 4, verse 7. So if we can, we can figure out how they're used together in Genesis 4, we can certainly understand how they're used together in Genesis 3. Let's look at Genesis 4, 7. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire, here's that word, is for you. But you must, here's that other word, master it or rule over it. Now, these words are God's warning to Cain. We mentioned Cain earlier about his anger towards his brother Abel. And what God is telling Cain is that sin is crouching. It's personified here. It's crouching at the door and it desires to control you, Cain. It desires to possess you. But Cain, you must master it. You must rule over it, not let it rule over you. In other words, God pictures sin as a crouching beast of prey, about to pounce upon Cain, about to devour and control him. And the point of God's statement to Cain is to warn him, Cain, sin wants to dominate you. Sin wants to control you. But you must not let that happen. You must master sin. You must not let it control you. You must rule over it or it will rule over you. So now that we understand a little bit about how desire and rule are used together in Genesis 4, we can understand the judgment that God placed upon Eve for her role in the fall of man. And the judgment he pronounced upon her is that, listen closely, from this point forward, she, who was once perfectly submissive to Adam and enjoyed it and loved it without any struggle, she's now going to struggle. She's now going to struggle with submission to her husband because now, as a fallen sinner, she is going to desire to control and dominate him. In other words, she is going to try to gain the upper hand in her relationship with Adam because she will want to be free from his authority over her. That's the sin that she'll struggle with. That's the curse pronounced upon her. You see, when Eve sinned, she was not in submission to Adam. Quite the opposite. She acted independent of him. She should not have. She was really usurping his role as her leader. She didn't consult with him. She didn't talk to him about this. She just did what she wanted to do. And she became the one, rather than following her husband, she led her husband into sin. She led him. So now she is cursed by God by having an ongoing sinful desire to be the leader of her husband all the time. She did it once, now she's going to have that desire forever. But it will be a desire that will be met with constant strife and frustration on her part and the part of every wife. Why? Because God said that he, meaning Adam, and every husband after Adam will respond to their wife trying to gain the upper hand in their relationship by ruling over them, meaning that husbands will react to their wives' challenge to their authority by crushing it with chauvinistic dominance. 
Ladies and gentlemen, now you know the reason so many husbands and wives are struggling to have a good marriage. It's because they both want to dominate each other and the results are disastrous. She refuses to submit to his leadership and he meets her lack of submission with sinful dominance by becoming an insensitive dictator who lords it over her. Folks, this is where the battle of the sexes began, right here at the dawn of human history. You see, both the women's liberation movement and male chauvinism were were born at the fall of man because it's part of God's curse on men and women. Listen to these penetrating words by John MacArthur. He writes this, and I quote, women have a sinful inclination to usurp man's authority, and men have a sinful inclination to put women under their feet. The divine decree that men would rule over women in this way was part of God's curse on humanity. Throughout history, the most dominant distortion of relationships has occurred on the man's side. In most cultures of the ancient world, women were treated as little more than servants. And that practice is reflected in many parts of the world today. Even in supposedly liberated societies, women are frequently viewed primarily as sex objects who exist for the sensual pleasures of men. On the other hand, in today's society, it is feminine aggression that's taking its place as the dominant expression of the curse. Modern feminists are beginning to assert their rebellion against the divine order by mimicking the very worst traits of fallen males, brutality, cruelty, love of power, and a swaggering macho arrogance. So, question is, what do we do with this information? What do we do? How does this affect your marriage? Does this mean that all marriages, then, are doomed because of this innate battle for dominance? The answer is no. You're not doomed, You're not doomed at all. It just means that you have to face reality that if you are a wife, there's always going to be a struggle within you because sin is always going to be pulling at you to be the one in charge of your husband and not submit to his leadership and not care what he has to say. And for a husband, it means that you have to face the reality. There is always going to be this pull of sin in you to lord it over your wife and to be an insensitive dictator over her rather than a a loving, thoughtful leader. Listen closely, though. Even though all wives and husbands experience this this pull to, to sin against each other by trying to control one another, you don't have to give in to this pull. If you're a Christian, you do not have to give in to this poll. You can have victory over this poll. There is a solution, but only one. Only one solution to this battle for control between a wife and a husband. So listen closely. The solution is found only in a growing and an obedient relationship with Jesus Christ. This is precisely why weeks ago I began this series by speaking from Ephesians chapter 5 on the spirit-filled marriage. Paul says in Ephesians 5 verse 18, do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Don't be under the control of alcohol, be under the control of the spirit of God, which as we said then, is not some mystical, mysterious experience. It is a day-by-day submission to the word of God. It's filling your mind with the truth of Scripture, with a heart that says, Lord, I'm, I'm under the control of the Word of God. Whatever you say, that's what I want to do. And Paul teaches that when that's true in your life, there will be a demonstration of this 
in your, your daily existence. And then he speaks about the home. He says that wives be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. So Paul says the only way a wife is going to do this, because it goes against the pole of the fall, is if she is controlled by the Spirit of God. And then he says in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Meaning the only way a husband's going to do this is if he's in, under the control of the Spirit of God. Otherwise, the pole of the fall and his own sinful inclinations will not make him a loving, kind husband who sacrifices for his wife. See, only as you are under the Spirit's control by being in submission to Jesus Christ and his word will you stop trying to be in control of your spouse. That, that is a profound thought. In other words, only as you let the Spirit of God control you through the word of God will you be a submissive wife and a loving husband. There is no other way to stop battling your spouse for control. I don't care how much counseling you do. I don't care how many people you you hear, how many sermons, how many conferences you go to on marriage. Unless you take responsibility and say, I will be in submission to Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what else you hear, what other books you read, what conferences you go to. No other way to stop battling your spouse for control until you repent of that sin and say, Lord, you're all all I have. You're the center of my life. That's why I urge you to make sure that Christ is the center of your life and that your heart is set upon him and that you're under his control. Otherwise, your heart is going to be set against your spouse and you will be in a very frustrating battle for dominance and control. Ongoing conflicts Now, although in pronouncing this curse upon Eve, Adam was was included in it because of his reaction to Eve's quest for control, God also goes on to give a specific judgment that is reserved for Adam. It's the last of the curses, which is this. He is sentenced to hard labor. He's sentenced to hard labor. Genesis 3, starting at verse 17. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles. It shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return." Now, we don't have time to look at at all of these verses in detail, but let me tell you the primary thought here. The primary thought is that since Adam's sin was in eating, remember he ate what he was forbidden to eat by God, from now on he would experience painful toil just to eat some food, just to have something to eat. And the reason for this is because God placed now a curse on the soil, on the ground, so that eating would now come only after strenuous labor, and hard work. And it would be like this for Adam, we read, until all the days of his life, until he died. Not a very cheery thought, but this is the curse God placed on Adam. So Adam is going then to be a struggling, broken farmer whose very meals come from a cursed soil that will yield its fruit to him, but only reluctantly, and only after he works so hard that he is worn out and fatigued. That's the curse. 
So what does this have to do with marriage? Let me give you an application. When God created Adam, according to Genesis 2.17, he placed him in the Garden of Eden and said, cultivate it, keep it. So for a man to work, that has always been part of God's plan. Therefore, work is not a curse. Mark Twain was wrong. Work is not a curse. However, with this curse that God has now placed upon Adam and all men, work now takes on a completely different look. Work now becomes so hard and so demanding and so absorbing for the man that he will have very little time for his wife. See, this curse upon Adam affects every marriage because it pushes men in the direction of neglecting their wives. They are now in danger of becoming so preoccupied with their work, their careers, that they have very little time for their wives. Their jobs can become so demanding that they pay very little attention to the woman they're married to. Listen, this is why wives often feel neglected by their husbands, because often they are neglected since he acts as if he's really married to his work, not to her. Work is his priority. Now, gentlemen, if if this is true of you, then you need to change. You need to change. The natural pull of hard work involved in your job doesn't mean that you have to be a workaholic who neglects his wife. It just means that you have to fight this sinful tendency, and the only way that you will fight this tendency is by a growing relationship to Jesus Christ and with Christ so that you understand his priorities for your life. Work is important, but it is not to be more important than your spouse, not to be more important than your wife or family. You see, only when you are under Christ's control will you give your wife the attention that you should give her by spending time with her by engaging her in meaningful conversations and by being attentive to to her needs. Now, folks, I want to make sure as we bring this to a close, I want to make sure that you know how these truths apply to you. So I want to spell out some things very clearly so that you don't miss the point. So you don't just go from here and say, oh, yes, I have a problem. A wife might say, generally, in submitting to my husband. A husband might say, yes, I have a problem generally in controlling my wife with dominance. I want you to know it's not general, it's specific. So let me spell this out for you. Ladies, trying to control your husband expresses itself in actions like nagging him, arguing with him, never admitting you're wrong, not following his directives, making demands upon him, being inflexible in those demands, or pouting if you don't get your way, withholding sex until you do get your way, insisting on your way, acting independent of your husband, and on and on it goes. That's how it looks. And husbands, dominating your wife expresses itself in actions like not asking her advice, not caring about her opinion, or hearing it and doing nothing about it anytime, making unilateral decisions without her at all, seeing her only as a sex object to satisfy your lusts, being demanding, being insensitive, being controlling of her, 
and on and on it goes. These are the very things that all of us need to be aware of. And so being aware of them, you, you work at avoiding them. You recognize it as sin and you repent of that. Listen, even though God has sentenced husbands and wives to have these kinds of struggles in their marriage, there is a way to overcome these sinful struggles. That's the point. And that way is by making sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and that you are under his control because he's the only one who can transform you and enable you to be the kind of husband and the kind of wife you can be and you can be by his grace, only by his grace. See, He's the only one who can deliver you from being self-absorbed, self-centered. People who try to use one another just to get their own way. That's the way of the world, not the way of a believer. Now, it is significant that in verse 21 of Genesis 3, we read that God clothed Adam and Eve with skins from some animals. Notice verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. Now, what this means is that God killed two innocent animals to clothe these very sinful human beings. And Adam and Eve must have stood there just aghast as God took two innocent creatures and slaughtered them in their presence in order to cover them. They had covered themselves with fig leaves. He covered them now with animal skins. But he did this in order to instruct them in the fact that sin demands a sacrifice, because death is always the penalty for sin, and it is the only way of divine forgiveness through death, sacrifice. See, these two animals were divine illustrations to Adam and Eve of the eventual sacrifice of Jesus Christ, who would die in the place of sinners and clothe them, but not in animal skins, but praise God in his own perfect righteousness, so that they and all who trust in his atoning work would stand before God now blameless. How about you? Have you ever trusted Christ's sacrifice for you personally? And by that, I mean trusting him alone, not in anything you've done, but him and him only. That's the only way to be forgiven. That is the only way to be righteous in God's sight and the only way to be a godly husband and a godly wife. So make sure that you know him. And make sure that you sit down with your spouse today, not tomorrow, today. You'll forget about these things tomorrow. Sit down today and discuss, discuss this. A wife needs to ask, have I acted like that towards you? If so, if he says yes, point out how she's behaved. And ladies, you need to repent. Likewise, a husband needs to say to his wife, have I acted like this towards you? And if she says, yes, so, then he needs to repent. You need to ask each other's forgiveness and ask God's forgiveness. You can resolve this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this painful but precious passage of Scripture. I pray that every husband and wife will respond properly, obediently to this, that they'll see their own sin, Lord. Not their husbands, not their wives, not anyone else's, but their sin, and they will be broken by conviction of sin and that they will be repentant and contrite and humble themselves and ask forgiveness. I pray for relationships that, uh, in which spouses have withdrawn from one another. I pray that it'll be restored. I pray, Lord, that the power of the gospel would be demonstrated through how husbands and wives respond 
to, this, to these truths. We thank you for what we've studied. We pray that you'll help us to apply them to our lives. And I pray for anyone here, Lord, who has never been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. May they see their need for salvation and may you open their hearts to the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to talk to someone about trusting Christ and having a personal relationship with him, I have a phone number for you in just a moment. You've been listening to Verse by Verse. Thanks for tuning in today. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you'd like to know more about how to receive the free gift of eternal life and a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus, call Lakeside at 727-441-1714. That's also the number to call if you'd like to receive a free CD with the entire sermon Pastor Steve just finished. 727-441-1714. Ask for message 8876, Marriage and the Fall, Part 3. You can also listen online or stream by going to the Message Archive page at versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. In Malachi chapter 2, God said, Take heed then to your spirit, and let no one deal treacherously against the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. Could he have said it more plainly? I don't think so. Next time on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will take us to the Gospel of Matthew and we'll discover the secret to avoiding marital disaster. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.